0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Pro
2: Wrestling Talk. And that's the
0: bottom line. The first goal (sighs) for
1: This right here is the future of wrestling.
2: And it begins.
3: The best, the best in pro wrestling talk Thank you all for tuning in tonight As we get you set for a WWE Network exclusive The Elimination Chamber, a pay-per-view, you know, a few short months ago We thought maybe it was gone Now we have Elimination Chamber back tonight Looking forward to that We were going to break down tonight's event Match by match, give you speculation, predictions, and opinions. And of course, we want all the above from you. So give us a call, three four seven, eight three eight, nine eight one five. You can check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook page is Facebook dot com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, Facebook dot com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We got a show chat going on right now on the Facebook page. Each and every Monday night, we got a raw conversation thread. Going on on the Facebook page. Check that out. Again, Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. If Twitter is your thing, check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at the Ken Reedy Show. on Twitter. And our website, TheKenReidyShow.com is where you can listen to the show. We got blogs. We got pictures. We got all sorts of great stuff over there on the website to so check out Kenreadyshow.com. You also want to check out sixteen forty. P.W.P.R., this new venture that we've gotten involved in, it is your one-stop shopping for wrestling podcasts, we got a ton of great podcasts on 1640 P.W.P.R., you want to check us out over there, it's free, you go to iTunes, you subscribe, you have access to all these great shows, and again, I cannot stress enough, it is free for you to subscribe, we're, we're adding shows left and right. Just as of late, we added Blind Tag Podcast, as well as One Fall Wrestling Radio. So you want to check that out in addition to our show, King Firehawk, Mike Ferrara Speaks, etc., etc., etc. So go over there, check out 1640 on your iTunes, subscribe now. And if you think you got what it takes, because again, I said we're, we're adding shows. You got a wrestling podcast, you want to be a part of this great network? You can shoot me a message, head over to our Facebook page on 1640 PWPR. Shoot us a message there, get us a link to your show, we'll give it a listen and we'll let you know if we uh we think you got what it takes. So, 1640 PWPR is the place to be for wrestling podcasts. If you've been following us on the Facebook and everything we announced, that we're we're very excited tonight. And we're going to have an internet blogger from uh, RantSports.com. Check out RantSports.com. Internet wrestling blogger Mike Riker uh, was scheduled to be on the program tonight uh, to discuss Elimination Chamber as well as a whole bunch of other things going on inside the wrestling business. He's uh, quite the wrestling insider, so we're going to have him on tonight. Unfortunately... A sudden family emergency uh, happened today uh, for Mike and his family, so he'll be unable to appear on the show tonight. Again, this show and everything else is obviously secondary. All the best to Mike and his family, and uh, hope we get past everything that's going on right now. We'll get Mike on the show. We'll get him rescheduled real soon. So we are on board tonight to get you set for Elimination Chamber. And, you know, it's interesting, there's only a a few matches on the card, but a lot of stuff to break down, so we're going to get right into it. As always, couldn't get through without my tag team partner, Dave, is on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, as symbolically,
2: tonight, the Elimination Chamber event is taking place. My pod to this Elimination Chamber podcast special is opening, so I can commence and speak upon tonight's event. Nice.
3: Yeah, as you gotta say, man, I'm glad to, like, you know, I got my tag team partner here tonight because, uh, you know, yesterday I did my first ever Spartan race, and uh, so I'm still a little loopy. It's uh it's cool that there's a, a little, like, quarter-inch by quarter-inch spot on my left forearm that doesn't hurt. Aside from that, everything else hurts. I'm kind of experiencing, like, some weird hallucinations and everything. So if all of a sudden, in the middle of the, the, the show, I... I, I you know, I say something like, I, I can't wait to uh, to see Hogan team up with Mr. T uh, tonight, or I start expounding the virtues on Man Mountain Rock and think that he should have a second chance in the WWE. Just yell into the microphone, tell me to shut up, or, or someone call hey, or yeah, on who, Facebook. Like, you're, you're getting loopy, Ken. But I'm hoping Man I'm going to be able to Rock. get through it tonight. <laughs> what say?
2: Man Mountain Rock. That. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, you know, we we,
1: we I mean we, we we
2: we talk about it all when it comes to wrestling, so it shouldn't surprise me that you just made a Man Mountain Rock reference. Mike Ferrari <laughs> would be proud. Uh, oh, he'd be oh he's probably thrilled right now. <laughs> but anyway, I let's get into Man it. Man Mountain what?
1: Rock was my favorite in the whole <laughs> world. You know, I went to the buffet with Man Mountain Rock, but it was closed.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, we miss you, Mike. Um, Anyway, let's get into the matches tonight. And what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do a little different. Um, We're going to give you a real breakdown, especially of of the two Elimination Chamber matches. But first, as an overview of of the the program, and I know that it's uh, it's a pay-per-view overseas, um, but it's network exclusive here. Um, so, we'll probably refer to it as the pay per view. I know people are probably out there. They're probably marks listening going, it's not a, a pay per view. It's network exclusive, but whatever. It's a pay per view. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but it's interesting that one of the things that I think is, is exci- exciting about tonight's event uh, number one, I, I think, again, the trend is continuing. And I'm not going to say it was a bad build, it was tough in two weeks. I think we've had an okay build. I'm not going to say it's great. Uh, but it wasn't terrible build, but I think we've we've gone the trend right now with the WWE is mediocre to poor builds, uh, but they're giving us very good to great pay-per-view events. So when you look at this event on paper, I think there's a lot of potential in the event. I think you you have something that's going to be very very entertaining. And one of the things you know that, that we can speculate on over the course of the evening, the WWE is looking to sell that network. And that's no secret. And I think it's a very smart uh business ploy to say, guess what? You can't get it on pay per view. You have to have the network to watch this. Um and I and I do wonder uh do we get something crazy out of tonight? Do we have something kooky? And we're gonna get into the championship match later on, but do we do we have Ambrose go over tonight? Do we have something, you know, out of left field, happened in tonight's pay per view. So tomorrow night on Raw is, if you don't have the network, you missed out because blah 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 happened. So I, I think it's it's an important night for the WWE. I think as they look to sell this network, you really have to have a very a solid to great show. Um, I'm looking for them to kind of pull out the stops, um, but it, it should be an interesting night tonight. This being a network exclusive, Dave.
2: I think it's I think it's a great marketing ploy on WWE's part, especially with the last day of the month. Um, you're essentially getting three big events. You had payback, you had the NXT uh, special a couple weeks ago, and now you have the network exclusive Elimination Chamber. And I think this event and, and the way that they they marketed this is a is a is, is a wave of the future in terms of WWE and their events. I mean, pay per view they do make some money on it. The traditional pay-per-view format, they still are making some money. I mean, WrestleMania and Survivor Series pumped out over 200,000 pay-per-view buys on top of the 1.3 million subscribers that the network has currently watching those pay-per-views under the network. So they're still making a decent amount of money in pay per view One reason why they're also doing this is because it's cheaper to run on their own feed as opposed to running a pay-per-view and satellite feed in in the United States. So, um, But I I wouldn't be surprised that if the success of this from the May subscriptions, the the free trial that, that, that they were offering, transfers over to June, and maybe in the future they'll get rid of, let's say, Night of Champions or Hell in a Cell and they'll turn that into a special event, network exclusive only, which could help those events tremendously for more viewers and more network subscribers. It would not shock me. I think, I think the term pay-per-view since the network has started, to me, like, I don't look at it as a pay-per-view anymore because I'm paying ten bucks to watch it on the WWE Network. So, I, I think an elimination chamber, the event, the gimmick match itself, and I'll get more into that in my pay-per-view throwback. Is definitely a good way to start this trend, if that's what WWE is looking to do from a business standpoint. But it would not surprise me in the in the future if we're down to maybe five, six traditional pay-per-views that still air on the network, but the other six special events take place exclusively on the WWE network, which will then. Urge more people to subscribe to the network so they can see these special events. I think it's a great idea and something that um, as a subscriber personally for myself, it makes it makes it. I don't know. It, I wouldn't say it makes me it feel special, but it, it it's got a different kind of feel to it because there are there are not going to be too many people. Um, there's not going to be anybody United States wise that's going to order this on pay per view because it's not available on pay per view. So you have to order the network to watch this event tonight. They've done so. I think that's pretty cool that they that, they, that they've done it like that. And as and as popular as a cha, as a chamber match
3: is, I think this was a great way
2: to start that that trend off.
3: Totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's one of those things that number one, you know, if if I hadn't subscribed initially and I had waited this long, this probably would have gotten me to subscribe. Um, the Elimination Chamber um you know just the, the the match in and of itself it is you know all the 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 sayings and the monikers and the you know the dr- the drama you know the unforgiving structure and all that but it is and you know blading and and bleeding aside there there's just something about the, the chamber that's just so brutal and loans itself to such a uh, unique and interesting spots that uh Again, it's one of those matches. you know, like with with the Royal Rumble. Like generally, the Rumble it match itself is going to be entertaining. Uh, it's difficult to have an Elimination Chamber match and it not be entertaining. It's just that's just the way it is. I've always enjoyed uh, chamber matches, much like the Rumble. Uh, when when we you know have people over for the Chamber match, we have a pool. Um, and we, we give like each team that enters a number and, uh, you know, you get that number and that's your team Well, tonight team, individual, whatever. Um, so we, we do, we'll have a pool tonight going on. So we'll be betting on it. There'll be gambling involved tonight. Um, so it's just, it's a fun pay-per-view. So this would have hooked me if I hadn't already had the network. Um, so it, it definitely is a very smart business move. And, and I just, I think of all the kids, you know, around, around the country that, uh, you know, maybe they didn't get the network and now they really want to see Elimination Chamber and they're, you know, begging their parents to to get the network because it's the only place you can get it. The other thing that, you know, and, and I don't know about you, Dave, but I, I remember, you know, back when Elimination Chamber was pulled, quote unquote, um, a lot of fans were upset. I heard a lot of people that were not happy that there was not an Elimination Chamber match or Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So, again, those those people, those fans that were upset that there wasn't an Elimination Chamber, those fans that didn't have the network uh, and now they're bringing it back as a network exclusive, those fans are going to run out and get the network. So uh, I, I think it's a it's a win-win. The thing is, Dave, for those people who decide that they're not going to be swayed, that they're not subscribers and they're not going to be swayed, Uh, by the WWE's uh, ploy of putting this exclusively on the network, Um, what the WWE has to do is give us something special that people are talking about tomorrow.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I will agree with you. I was a little bit disappointed that they weren't, you know, when they announced that Lane was replacing the Chamber. um, I was a little disappointed. I was trying to scratch my head, like, why? Usually the Chamber... You know, it kinda of bridges that gap between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and there's got the it's got like a you know, WrestleMania stakes up on the line. I thought it just kinda of added more drama to the road to WrestleMania and I thought it was pretty cool. Um but then it kinda of negates the Royal Rumble winners' victory at times. So I understood why they pulled it in that sense. Another one of the main reasons why the event was pulled is because a lot of the arenas across the country, the older arenas, are are looking to upgrade their facility. And ever since the Cowboys and Cowboys Stadium built that gigantic you know, screen in the middle of their football field, even the smaller arenas look to do something similar like that. And you can't exactly hang a huge structure like the Elimination Chamber with a big scoreboard in the middle of it. So that was one of the main reasons why WWE stopped running the Elimination Chamber event because most of the arenas that they tore a lot of arenas are upgrading with these big, you know, LED, H D big screens. So but this arena in Corpus Christi, Texas, has not done that yet. So it just kinda of lended itself a good opportunity for them to, you know, add this event in as a special event. So um but yeah, I was pretty bummed but I mean with the card tonight and the chamber matches itself, like, you're right. They're going to have to kind of go all out. They want to make this event, you know, to to be successful. And I think with the intrigue of the Intercontinental Championship, which is vacant, being put on the line in one chamber match, and the very first tag team elimination chamber match with six teams, a total of twelve guys could be in that ring at the same time. I think that adds a lot of intrigue for possible new viewers and new network subscribers that will log on tonight. They'll get the network they'll watch the event and then there'll be subscribers moving forward into June. So and then there will Kevin Kevin Owens and John Cena, I mean we'll talk about that later, but the card itself is very intriguing and something that I think WWE did very well in you know in terms of getting in terms of serving different purposes, trying to get more subscribers for the network as well as as well as you know just getting people talking. So I, I would have to say that tonight, big opportunity for for the for the guys on the roster as well as WWE to really turn some heads and make this event a real special event. I think starting with it being a network exclusive has already done that.
3: Yeah, and and, and let's and let's look at this. I mean, you know, when you have a, a an event like this and you have the Elimination Chamber. And you don't have the WWE title on the line in the Elimination Chamber. I mean, let's face it. We're looking at two mid-card titles uh, on the line in Elimination Chamber matches, which I look at as being tremendous. I think that's great. You know, a friend of mine once said to me, I would love to take credit for, for the saying, but like, he's always said to me, you're only as good as your mid-card. And, and I think for years, for years, uh, the WWE was very guilty of of kind of crapping on the mid card and being very top heavy, uh, I think they've done a really good job over the past few years. If you want to give Triple H credit, whoever's doing it, but I think the WWE slowly but surely has been rebuilding that mid card, making that mid card matter. And and I agree with you, Dave, a hundred percent. Great, you know, great point. Both elimination chamber matches have a lot of intrigue in them. Uh, both of them. Uh, historical in their own right um and and i think it's very intriguing and the participants in each one to me is very intriguing and that's why i kind of look at it and say the build was not poor it may be mediocre it's tough in two weeks but i do think the the intrigue surrounding all participants in in these matches is very intriguing and that's why you know in going over the show and, and going down how we're going to run down the show tonight, um, we're going to break down what these matches mean for all the competitors. Because that's where I think that the WWE has done a real nice job. Um, because there's a lot of intrigue surrounding almost every competitor in each chamber match. And, and let's start with the tag match. Again, like you said, I mean that, that elimination chamber match has a, an opportunity to, have, to be a very, very, crowded match uh an opportunity for some insane spots uh and and with some of the guys in this match um i think you have a a lot of potential for just uh you know craziness just craziness across the board um guys that are going to try and outspot each other guys like Kofi Kingston are always good for something nutty Cesaro's another guy that you know look for him to to quote grab the brass ring um, so to me, there's a lot of intrigue surrounding all participants. Uh, you know, some of the guys. I mean, let's start like I guess, you know, bottom up, so to speak. Um, the one team I look at, David, and, and I'm curious if you, if you, what your thoughts are that I, I that doesn't hold a lot of intrigue for me is is Los Matadores. Um, I, I do think that there's some talent there. I personally hate the gimmick. Um, would not be surprised if we see uh the you know, the little bull have a of a spot somewhere in the matchup. Um, to me, um I wouldn't go so far as to call Los Matadores uh, comic relief, but on some levels they kind of are at times. Talented individuals. Uh it wouldn't shock me at all if they have like a moment uh in the matchup. But the, to me like Los Matadores is not a a team I really look at as a contender to walk out of this match, um, champions. I think they're a team that needs something, uh, they need a direction, they need a, a you know something, but the, to me they're, they're kind of bottom of this heap uh, as they rebuild this tag division, and I think they're doing a decent job at rebuilding it, but um, uh, for me, Dave, Los Matadores is kind of at, at the bottom of, the, of my list of potential victors in this matchup.
2: I would have to agree with you. They are definitely at number six in my opinion. Um, very talented individuals but they are mechanics on the card. Their characters, their presentation, especially with the bull, uh, El Torito, is geared more towards kids. They're they're brought out to basically have good matches. And 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 they're like you said, they're very talented. They come from the Cologne family. You know, Carlito's their brother, um, Carlos Cologne senior, he's their father. Um, very talented individuals, but they're one of the three teams, and I'll discuss it as we further go along this countdown with, the, with with this match. They're one of the three teams where they need something to get them over the hump to take pe for, for them, for, excuse me, I'm I'm getting tongue-tied, and I didn't even run the Spartan race. They're, <laughs> they're, you've been doing good so far, and I, I've been crapping the bed. Um, they're a team, one of the three that needs something to get them over the hump to have people like us and wrestling fans and WWE fans in general take them seriously. And I think that the opportunity presents themselves for their characters in tonight's match. I mean, we've seen a little bit of a, a change in attitude in their characters in recent weeks. They had a situation with the Bull a couple of weeks on SmackDown. They're kind of not really pandering to the audience anymore. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if WWE creative is maybe trying to get them out of that Matador gimmick and they're going to let them be who they are? They're going to let them be the colognes? Maybe they're going to just let them run off the lineage of their, their wrestling background with their family? I don't know. But I could sense that tonight's match with them, one, like I said, one of these teams, could we could really see a change in attitude and their characters maybe make a change by what they do inside the chamber. And you said it at the beginning of your of your introduction to this match that this match has a tendency... It's got potential to be very crowded. There's 12 guys in this match. At one point, 12 guys could be in this chamber at the same time. That's a crowded chamber. I truly don't think, and and, and as a viewer for me, I, just, I, I don't see any entertainment value or intrigue with watching 12 guys in the ring at the same time in such a confined structure like that and try to pay attention to everything. It's different with the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble, you've got 30 guys. But not all 30 guys are in the ring at once. They come and go. This is different. So I don't think in this match 12 teams are going to be, or 12 men, I should say, are going to be in this match at the same time. I, I think we'll see a rotation. I think each team will have their signature spot. They'll have an opportunity in a certain period of time to really show what, they're going to, what their character is going to be able to do. But I can only see maybe three or four teams at the most in the ring at the same time because it, should, it would just be too crowded. Los Matadors. I think they'll have. I think we'll see some change in attitude in their characters because of this match. I mean, they could. They're one of the teams that really could surprise us and really do something different to get the audience to be more serious about their characters. But as of right now, I don't see that just yet. We'll have to wait till match time. So that's why I agree with you that they're number six. They're the bottom of the barrel in terms of you know winning this match. Yeah, I mean it's just like and it's
3: you know again it's like they're really talented and it's you know the one thing about them that that really bugs me and, and it's not them it's it's whoever decided on this gimmick is like I, you know I look back on when they put Tito Santana in, in the Matador outfit and
4: uh, I hated
3: it I remember hating it and I look back on the there was you know for me as a fan that, that there was a time period in the. uh late 80s, early 90s, that I really fell away from, from wrestling. I, I, the characters just got way too cartoony for me um, at that point. You know, I graduated high school in 1990, um, so it just, it just was way too goofy. And, and I just kind of started falling away from it. And to me, like, Los Matadores is, like, straight out of there. Like, rather than letting these guys, uh, you know, rely on their talent, and rely on their, their, their background. I mean, they're colognes. They're part of the cologne family. Um, they, they saddle them with this Los Matadores gimmick with a, a little person dressed in a, in a bull costume. It just, I don't know, man. It just it, it, The gimmick does nothing for me. Um, and and for, I don't know about you, Dave, but as a fan, at times watching them, as talented as they are, it, it, at times it's almost tough to look past the gimmick. I'll be honest with you. I mean,
2: they are talented guys, but I, re- you know what? I will be perfectly honest with you. Unless I, he- uh, unless I'm watching them live on Raw, I normally fast forward through their matches unless I know that they're going to have a good match with somebody. Like I, like they had a good match with the Lucha Dragons a few weeks ago um, on SmackDown, and I, you know, I I read through the spoilers that. They, that was a really good match or something you had to go out of your way to check out. It was a pretty good match. they, put, they Both teams worked really well together, and they jumped really well. So I, I, I enjoyed the match. But honestly, like, I really just... I'm not even at that point where, like, I, I see... I, I, I don't see past the gimmick. I just don't watch them because there's nothing that entertains me about them other than their, you know, in-ring ability.
3: Oh, there you go. Another Like, going on, again, and that's why I... I, I... I think there's a lot of intrigue in this match, and uh, we'll start from the bottom up. Uh, For me, uh, another team that, uh, to me, at least the outfits uh, are kind of goofy. You know, they're they're a rip on on the powers of pain, the Road Warriors demolition, um, insert, you know, name of badass painted up tag team from the past uh, in the blanks. Uh, As far as, like you're saying, Dave, the Ascension is one of those teams that uh, I have a lot of trouble Getting into even even a little bit, um, I want to. I, I like what they've done with the tag team division. Um, you know, they came up from NXT. I, it, honestly, I mean, you're talking you're talking Los Matadores. I tell you, Dave, like the Ascension does absolutely nothing for me.
2: I don't blame you for feeling that way, and I'm not really a huge Ascension fan. Um, you know, from from what I watched down in NXT, they were they were a, kind of a throwback to you know, like you said, like the Poppers of Pain or Demolition, um, they had worked with Enhancement Talent. They didn't really have too many matches with, you know, superstars, made guys, regular roster members, um, with the exception of Lucha Dragon, which was good stuff. But, um, I think they got off to a bad start on their arrival to the main roster. It does not help that they just stuck them immediately with Enhancement Talent, um, trying to build them up Kind of going with that old formula when they bring a talent in, they, kind of like what they do with Ryback, the Goldberg route, some ways you could call it, where they just kind of feed them, you know, local guys to, to really build up their characters. I think that is just really old, and it's, and it's, it's, it's not in in wrestling anymore, in my opinion, at least. It doesn't stimulate me. So, and then on top of that, the announcers—they just kind of like mocked it. It didn't really help their cause. I don't think it was anything in particular they did. I just think they just kind of brought them in the wrong way to the main roster, in my opinion. Um, But tonight, as far as this match goes, this match is tailor-made for them. They're characters. They're, you know, welcome to the wasteland. We're the Ascension. And, you know, they're kind of big bruisers that just kind of rough rough people up. Kind of, like you said, throwback to Demolition, Powers of Pain, Road Wars. This kind of match could really help them get over that hump. Even winning this match could help them get over that hump. It would not surprise me if they won this match tonight, because th- th- this gimmick match fits them, it's tailor made for them and their personality. They could go in there and just start mauling people and throwing guys into the chain and slamming them on that gir- the steel girder, throwing them through the plexiglass. You know what I mean? Like this is for them. Like
1: they have an opportunity
2: to really let you know their aggression out in their characters, and people could take them seriously. I wouldn't say they're number five in my opinion, but they, they, there's a strong chance that they, that they could win this match. I don't believe they are, but it would not surprise me if they won. See,
3: so you think it's funny? Because, like, for me, like, I put them at five, but there's, for me, a big gap between five and six. Uh, like, I really just I see no shot for the Los Matadores. I'm curious, who would you have put in your five category, your five spot? Um... I would probably put the primetime players in there. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, see, the primetime play. it's interesting because, you know, they're one of those teams right now where, you know, again, a team that, that uh, they're entertaining, they're fun on the mic, uh, they're doing those, um, you know, those backstage vignettes, um, you know, especially Titus. I mean, Titus O'Neil is very good on the mic, uh Darren Young, very good in the ring. Um, they're they're a team that I, I see the the fans like re, you know reacting to a lot. Um, again, they're not they're not my pick. Uh, primetime players. Uh, they wouldn't shock me if, if they won. Um, I'm not saying like you know not like Los Matadores. They they kind of need something, uh, whether it's a you know a real definitive program or the belts. Um, the vignettes have been good. They're entertaining. The crowd likes them, um, but they're kind of floundering a bit, and it's almost like reminiscent of when they they were together beforehand, where they just kind of reached a point where, like, all right, now what do we do with these two? Um, You know, I I think they're a team that can be very entertaining out there. Um, Again, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they'd win. Uh, I don't think they're going to. um, And I agree with you with the Ascension. I think we'll have like some hard hitting spots. Don't see them winning. Um, but prime time players, I have a little more you know I probably would would have pegged them as as next on my list, uh you know where were we it? six five four in the I can count uh in the four seed um wouldn't see them really winning the match um but like i said they're one of those teams that uh you know the, the crowd kind of digs what they're doing, you know, and then the millions of dollars they have their chance to go with it, so uh um, that's why I have them a little higher up, but uh, your thoughts on the prime time players. Here's
2: my issue with that. Uh, you know, I liked them as a team. And I didn't really care. I didn't really care for the breakup last year when they broke the two of them up. But then they didn't do anything with them. I mean, what did they do? Darren, Darren Young was hurt, and then they stuck Titus O'Neil with Heath Slater, and they did nothing with that too. So then they put them back together, and I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. But why are they back together? Why did they break up in the first place? There was no real explanation for either situation. So. They're back together. They're doing the mocking of the other tag teams. They're trying to get noticed. Um, They do have a little bit of a following with the audience. They kind of go along with the catchphrase. Um, They got a pretty big pop when they came out a few weeks ago on Raw, and they kind of cleared house with the other tag teams. Um, They're one of those other teams that I think needs something to get them over the hump to make the audience take them seriously tonight. Them, the Ascension, and Los Matadores. Those are the three teams right there you could say are wild cards. I think prime time players, uh, a title win would help them, but at the same time, they really haven't, since they've gotten back together, they really haven't gotten off to, I wouldn't say gotten off to the right foot, but they really just haven't shown me anything as a team. Like you said, they just kept they are floundering. So I think what we could see from them tonight is it would not surprise me if they're one of the final two teams with them and the winners. And I'll Go with who my winners are in a few moments, but I could see some of these other teams too having beef with each other during this match, and then post elimination chamber, we see rivalries with these other tag teams. Because what was so great about the tag team division in the '80s and even in the '90s and 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 the and the, the early 2000s were tag teams didn't just feud for the titles. You had tag teams just feuding because they didn't like each other, and I think we're going to start to see a little bit of that. In the rebuilding of the tag team division, so I could see maybe Los Matadores having some kind of change in attitude, and they do something to the prime time players or to the Lucha Dragons, and then you have a rivalry with those two teams post elimination chamber based off of what their interaction was between the two inside the chamber. So it could be the same thing for the prime time players as well. They could they they could post elimination chamber have a rivalry with somebody that they have gotten involved with in the in tonight's matchup, but. They, they, they. To me, I think they they need a little bit more in order for me to believe that they're going to win tonight's matchup. And I think I, we're not gonna. Yeah, go ahead. I'm
3: sorry. No, I'm just saying. I think, we're, and you, you bring up bring up an excellent point, though, because we have like this tag team division, and that's part of the problem, and that's why teams start to flounder. You know, it's like you have if they're not going after the title, there's just. Eh like what well, we're just we're just hanging out we're doing you know or they throw like all the teams in a match or you know they have they have two teams in a match and the other teams are, are lumberjacks like just have two teams hate each other you know just have four guys and and they they just don't like each other and and have have them feud have an, an old school tag team feud um 100% agree with you i mean I, when you look at the division right now And you look at the teams in this matchup. I mean, right now, essentially, that's your tag team division. That's a solid division. That is a very solid division right there. That if you just pair off a couple of those teams into, like, their own program against each other, a couple of more teams are involved in the title match, and obviously you can have number one contender matches along the way. You know, that's the way to build this division. It it will get, look, tonight's going to be a very entertaining matchup. But it, it will start to get the, the scene the, the surrounding the, the championship will just start to feel a little too crowded when it's like six or seven or eight teams always just looking at the belt. And I get it. The championship should always be the prize. But you need to kind of pair them off and have just a, a tag team versus tag team kind of rivalry where they just don't like each other. I um, 100% agree with you, and that's the way to start really, really building this tag team division. As we move through this matchup, uh, the next team that I, I would put on my list that I really I don't see winning, although they are really popular, and they're one of those teams that, that's getting over uh, you know, by their in-ring work, um, the Lucha Dragons, uh, very, very entertaining to watch. I really don't see them winning this matchup. I see them doing some crazy stuff. And obviously, like, there's probably going to be a moment where, you know, one of them does 753 flips off of the top of the chamber and, and uh, <laughs> lands on everybody, and everybody falls aside, and then they have the opportunity to stand in the middle of the chamber and, you know, raise their hands, go, Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. And I know we're going to get that at some point. And, but the crowd is into it. The crowd is into this gimmick. They're a fun team to watch. Some of their spots are, like, insane um, I, I, you know, I wonder about, I worry about their longevity and how long they can like continue, uh, to, to maintain this style and maintain this level. Um, so I look for some crazy spots from them. I, I look for them to have a, a decent run in this matchup, but I don't see them winning. I,
2: I, I would agree with you that I don't see them winning, but there are a lot of different possibilities. You can go with the Lucha Dragons in this match. Like you said, very popular, very talented team. They are, you know, Easily could be the number one babyface tag team in the WWE's tag team division currently. And uh, I'm not going to go with a bold prediction, but this wouldn't surprise me. And this is coming out of left field. But because these guys are so popular and there's potential to see, you know, some amazing stuff from these two in the match, what if, during or before the match, if these two were to come out during their entrance, and the reformed Eric Rowan and Luke Harper were to attack them and then take their spot in the elimination chamber before the match even starts, draw a ton of heat on them, and then you got something to build post-elimination chamber between Harper and Rowan against the Lucha Dragon. That could be. That is bold. That's, that's bold. Bad. Okay. That could be one direction you could take them. The other direction is, it would not surprise me if they start if they start the match, the two of them, and they are there till the very end against the winners of the of the elimination chamber match, and they just they come so close, yet they just can't get it done in the end, and then you build off of that with them feuding with the champions post elimination chamber, or we'll just see, like you said, just some amazing spots between the guys, but. They'll get eliminated midway through the match, and that'll be the end of it. So, there are a lot of different possibilities. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they'll have a really strong showing in tonight's match.
3: And I think it's an excellent point, bringing up uh, uh-huh. Rowan and Harper. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me at all. And I didn't even think of it, but when you said it, I'm like, yeah, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Um, maybe not even, you know, Lucha Dragons, or maybe Los Matadores, maybe, I mean, whomever. I mean, pick a team, and maybe we have... Uh, Rowan and Harper come down and, and eliminate someone before they even get in. Um, uh, to me, that that and that's what we're sa- That's you know brings us to our point of of building this tag division. That if if they take out a team, if they come down and take out the primetime players, you know, and yeah. uh, have primetime <laughs> players versus Rowan and Harper just because they don't like each other. Um, excellent point. I mean, that that makes total sense for those two to come down at some point during this match and. and take someone out before uh, they're able to get into their chamber. Uh, as we get to the top of the heap, and, and I don't think it's, it's an exaggeration right now, especially in the, in the tag division of the WWE, uh, New Day and and Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, they're the type, top of the heap right now. Um, New Day, what they've done since turning heels, uh, it's, it's worked well, whether it was on purpose or by accident. Whatever the case is, uh, it is working well. Love, love what Xavier Woods is bringing to the table um Dave the two of us we have been on the Cesaro bandwagon as long as there's been a Cesaro bandwagon uh you know he started it look, look like exactly look like you know they didn't know what the hell to do with this guy guy's got all the talent in the world and and granted as fans of his at what he does in the ring his like freakish strength um you know I hope I hope at some point down the road a piece We see him in a solid singles program. I would love to see him, you know, vying for the WWE title at some point down the road. Um, But as he was like, again, you know, we keep throwing that word out there. As he was floundering, um, when they formed this tag team, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I looked at, Oh, good, Cesaro's teaming up with Tyson Kidd. Yay! That's exactly what I wanted for him. But it works. I mean, I gotta whoever made this decision to put these two guys together, it totally works. Uh, to me, they're they're kind of a throwback tag team. I love what they do. Again, like I said earlier, I, I think we're going to see a moment at some point, whether they win or not, but we're going to see a Cesaro grab, quote grabbing the brass ring, uh, having a strong showing, uh, pulling off some crazy spot or crazy strength move. But I'm looking for Cesaro to have a a really great showing in, in tonight's event. Um and, and new day. I just I'm getting a kick out of everything they're they're doing right now. So to me they're the top of the heap. Um you know it, it's it wouldn't be shocked if, if uh Tyson Kidd and Cesaro win this thing. Again, love everything they're doing, but I'm 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 gonna go out there and I'm gonna say, especially from SmackDown, I'm gonna give my pick, um, that there's some uh, seems like some authority Ties uh, with the New Day that I think the New Day is going to have a strong showing, and somehow they're going to figure out a way to retain the titles in this Elimination Chamber matchup.
2: I would have to agree with you. I'm going to first of all, I'm going to give my pick, and I'm going to go with New Day winning. I think somehow, even with the the advent of the Elimination Chamber keeping the third member of New Day out, and they'll probably be Xavier Woods, but. Um, keeping Xavier Woods out of it, I think somehow he will find his way into the match to help the team win. Um, you are right that, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, Cesaro and Kidd and New Day are at the top of the heap of the tag team division. I was not thrilled at first when they were putting him with Tyson Kidd, but Tyson is a very talented guy. I didn't think it was going to hurt Cesaro, but I just felt that Cesaro had deserved you know, to be on his own, and he was capable. His character was capable of being on his own, but I really liked how they gelled. You said they're a throwback to me. They're like a throwback hybrid version of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in terms of their technical in-ring ability and how well they work together as a team. They're like the the, the new new version of the Brainbusters, in my opinion. That's how I see them. Um, here's a little scoop. You were, you just mentioned it earlier about how. Um, you would like to see Cesaro in a singles role Well You might just get your wish Because over the weekend I was doing some you know some research for the show And I stumbled upon a story And you know all speculation at this point But the Wrestling Observer is reporting That Triple H is very high On Cesaro and Tyson Kidd Both in singles roles And he's trying to convince Vince McMahon To put the two of them In a singles role And have them break up we don't know who would be faced or who would be... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Triple H would prefer that Cesaro be a baby face. Now, you would guess that Tyson Kidd would probably, you know, turn heel. Well, they, they, they're they looking at Tyson Kidd possibly competing for the Intercontinental Championship or even the United States Championship while Cesaro gets that big push towards the main event. But that's all pending, of course, you know, if Triple H can convince Vince McMahon. Now, like I said, it's all speculation. It's not on proof that this is going to happen. I'm enjoying seeing them as a tag team. I wouldn't mind seeing them as a tag team for a little longer. Maybe another six months to a year. But, if it is indeed true that they have plans to split them up and give them both singles runs, do we see something happening tonight between the two to begin the stages of the split? I mean, an Elimination Chamber match in that environment could be a good way to kickstart a storyline of Cesaro
3: and Tyson Kidd splitting up. I, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all. So there, there you have it. Like our breakdown of the the tag team elimination chamber matchup. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines. Uh, a lot of potential for there to be a very entertaining matchup. And as you were talking, Dave, we had some breaking news uh, coming out of WWE. dot com. Uh, just put up there moments ago. Rusev is out of tonight's uh, Elimination Chamber matchup due to the leg injury he suffered on SmackDown. On WWE.com, it does say, and and I quote, With Rusev out of action, what will become of his spot in tonight's match for the prestigious Intercontinental Championship? Will there be a replacement, and how will this breaking news affect the game plans of the other Chamber participants heading into WWE's fiercest battleground? So no replacement has been named, um, but Rusev is out. And as we begin our breakdown of this matchup, um, you know one of the things we talked about when we were planning the show, like you know Rusev was is in that 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 situation where he came out of a program with John Cena. Um, he came out worse for the wear, you know, in this program. Uh, he lost Lana. He lost uh, an I quit match to Cena. And this is the time to like kind of. I don't say repackage, but at least rebuild Rusev. You know, you, you lick your battle scars and uh, come out and and do something with the character. Um, this injury for Rusev could not have come as a worse time. To- at a worse time, I don't think he was going to win tonight. But I was I was ready to see a more vicious, brutal, uh, you know, minus Lana kind of Rusev, uh, someone who's just bitter and angry, uh, for showing some real. Uh, strongman violent spots to really start to build rebuild that character um i i don't think it's i can't begin to state enough how ill-timed this injury is for for rusev and his character just just bad bad news for rusev dave
2: yeah it it is an untimely injury because uh you know he he was you know in in a three to four month program with john cena albeit he lost and then his his you know, uh his characters split with, with Lana, which to me in my opinion I'm not a fan of. I think the Lana character um has worked well with Rusev and has brought you know um added more intrigue to the and to the presentation of the Rusev character. So I've not been a big fan of, of, of that split. I but be that as it may, um you know it happened. I think Rusev needed a strong showing tonight and tonight's match to kind of recover from not only losing an I quit match, but his character also losing his girlfriend because of his, you know, male chauvinistic ways. But, um, you know, he's out and, you know, they don't have a replacement named. However, there have been rumors that they were planning to replace him with Bray Wyatt, who was another individual who to me seems to have been floundering since WrestleMania, um, since his rivalry with the undertaker, um, And, I mean, a strong showing for Bray Wyatt's character in this match is much needed. Even a victory is much needed. And a lot of people don't, you know, believe that the Bray Wyatt character really is based on winning championships, which I do agree. I've said it before on this show. His character doesn't care about winning or losing. His character cares about inflicting punishment physically and mentally. This is the kind of match that could do that for his character if he were to be that replacement in tonight's matchup.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting as you go through and, like, you analyze this match and you try to make a pick. I mean, and I still don't think Bray would win, but, like, he's, he is a character that doesn't need titles, but a few titles sprinkled into his career helps to maintain that credibility. Um, you know, if he never goes over that hump and, and has gold, even if it's for, like, a, a couple of weeks, you know... It, it's difficult to keep that character rolling, you know? I mean, Taker was a character that really didn't need championships, but, but he had his share of championships. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it changes, like, how you analyze this matchup if, if Wyatt is inserted in. Now, I don't think Rusev was going to win, so I would assume whoever's, if there's a replacement, whether it's Wyatt or someone else, that replacement wouldn't win. Um, going through again, one guy that... Uh, you know, maybe I'd give him more of a chance than Los Matadores, but uh I have at the bottom of my list as far as guys who could win this is obviously our truth. Um I really don't think he's gonna win this. The only there's like this sliver of me that, you know, this guy's at the end of his career. Um, it seems like he's been the dutiful employee. Um, you know, I like this little promo that he had on SmackDown. Um I don't see him winning. Uh does the WWE throw him a bone late in his career? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but, you know, that's the only reason, like, it's almost like Los Matadores, I would give like a 1% chance of winning, and R-Truth, I would give like a 1.5% chance of winning, Um, you know, it's it's not like, it's not by much, um, but I almost could see like that nostalgic feel at the end of his career, he gets a run, but I really, I don't think that's going to happen, so he's like, uh, you know, he's the least likely for me as far as winning this match. He's in the
2: same spot that Los Matadores is in in my opinion. He's a mechanic on the car, he's talented in the ring. Um, he's got his, his you know, his character serves a purpose. He's go out there to have good matches and to, you know, entertain the kids. He's not gonna, you know, win win a whole lot of championships and if he does it's gonna be, you know, short sprinkles. I mean he had a short run with I think the United States title a few years ago and I I wanna say he was a tag team champion. I could be wrong. Yeah, he was. He was a tag team champion with Kofi. A few years ago, when they were just starting to, you know, rebuild the tag team division, but um, yeah, he'll have some good spots in this match. He'll probably get bounced around a little bit by one of the bigger guys like Sheamus or Barrett. Um, you know, and will get the crowd to chant "What's up," and you know, that's really about it. I don't see, you know, I I don't see him winning this match. I think it is WWE kind of throwing him a bone. I think I don't know of any contract issues or what's going on, but I think he's towards the end of his career. they wanna try and maximize what they can out of him, um by putting him in this match. And putting it like they put him in the ladder match at WrestleMania. Nobody ever thought he would have been in a ladder match. Everyone would have surely thought he would have been a part of the Andre Giant Battle Royal, but he was part of a pretty important match at WrestleMania. So, um stuff like that shows that it's a sign that, you know, his his contract or his career is winding down and so they they're they're kinda like they're throwing him a bone, so uh, yeah, our trick's
3: not winning it. <laughs> See, what, the next guy I want to talk about, and I find it interesting, and especially in, in reference to the Rusev uh, injury. Um, and, and to be honest, I kind of put like Barrett and Ziggler very close to me as far as chance of winning. Um, for Dolph, I was really looking at him having uh, a strong showing with Rusev. Uh, you know, a program that would continue post chamber. Uh, you know, maybe Rusev put Ziggler like through uh a plexiglass window or, or something. I just uh I was expecting a lot at a Rusev and Ziegler. I didn't think either one of them were going to win, um, but I was expecting a lot. So depending on the extent of Rusev's injury, whether this is a week to week kind of injury or whether this is months, um perhaps we see the beginnings of something new for Ziegler uh whoever else is added to this this uh chamber. Maybe someone else is already in the chamber we see uh a, a program start for Ziggler. Um I, I don't see Ziggler winning. I like what they're doing with Ziggler. Um he's he's uh you know he holds down that mid card. You know, I've always been a fan of what, what he does. Um I put him in Barrett kind of around the same spot. I think Barrett for me um he's the king. Uh, the King is good. Long live the King. I love Barrett. I'm a big Barrett fan, and you know, Barrett has has had himself some very ill timed injuries. Um, I think it's good for him. It's good to be the King. It is good to be the King, and uh, I think right now it's all he needs. I think it's a bit overkill if he's walking around with a crown, a scepter, a cape, and the IC title. Um, I think being the King is enough for him right now. He carries it well. It works great for his character. So uh, again, I don't see Ziggler or Barrett winning the matches. Although again, all these guys across the board, I think it's going to be a very entertaining matchup. Uh, so I look for strong showings uh, from these guys, and I think it's a, it's a well booked match. The guy they put in, the guys they put in there, especially, you know, aside from an r Truth, um, you could look at each guy and really, really make a legitimate case for each guy winning this matchup. But uh, I just don't think Barrett or Ziggler are going to win, Dave.
2: I well, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Ziggler and you kind of put him close to Barrett. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't disagree with you there. Um, I think, you know, I, to me, I I kind of thought that Ziggler still had some unfinished business with Sheamus. Um, they had a great match at Payback, and I thought, you know, that their storyline was going really well, and they could have extended it a little bit longer. Um, and then they kind of threw him involved in, in the, uh, the 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 Rusev Lana ordeal. And now with Rusev out, maybe maybe they can go back to, you know, Ziggler and Sheamus um, having some form of rivalry, or maybe even Ziggler and um, Barrett. Um, as far as Barrett goes, I mean, you know, he is the king, like you said, and I don't think an Intercontinental Championship is going to help him. But I do think that um, he could be in a situation where, you know, let's say he starts the match and he kind of gets eliminated earlier. He's the first one eliminated, like an upset victory. So to speak, and he takes out whoever eliminated him, whether it's Diggler, whether it's even Art Truth. Um, but he's still the king, so people are still going to boo him. He's still going to be a heel. He can get his heat back, and uh, you know it's not going to. To me, it's not going to damage him per se. I don't think this King of the Ring is having him march towards the uh, the, the heavyweight title anytime soon. But it, it it it's the beginning stages of taking him very seriously, and I think his standing in the match um, could also help that as well. So, um, but there's a lot of different possibilities of, uh, you know, to me in this match, like you said, you can make a case for each guy, but also each guy also needs this victory. Each per- each person's character could use this victory, um, you know, to, to, to help their standing within WWE and in the fan side. So, um, Barrett's kind of those ones, that, that him and Ziggler are on the fence, at least in my opinion. Um, you can go either way with them.
3: That's what I. Th- that's what I think is so intriguing. And again, as we talk to talk about building this mid card, I think that's what's so intriguing about this matchup. That you legitimately could make a case for each and every guy winning this belt, and and how their character would need this win. And uh, you know, the, getting through this match. And I, and I do think it's an excellent point to bring up that, you know, they could. It's easy. You know, Rusev's out. If Rusev's out for a prolonged amount of time, let's just shift Ziggler. Over to Sheamus, we can kind of continue that, um, and that makes a lot of sense. But getting to Sheamus, I mean, you have Sheamus, and I love, I don't care, you know, the marks, on uh, you look stupid, and all, love the new character with Sheamus, love the Mohawk, love, I love everything about this character. I, I, I just think he's just, a, he's a big badass, he's a bully, I love it. it is, he's, he's a total badass bully heel. Um, I love everything that Seamus is doing. And like you're saying, when you start making a case for guys that could use this win, you know, and, and when I look at, like, I, I kind of, like, paired guys together in my head. And, and Seamus and Ryback, to me, were two guys that are really similar in a sense that, 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 you know, again, we keep throwing these words around, the, the word around floundering. And Seamus was a guy that they, uh, you know, they turned, you know, he was, obviously way back when he was a heel. He was turned face. um, crowds really into him and then slowly but surely the crowd like kind of faded away from him and then uh, he was, the character was kind of floundering and uh, then he gets injured. He's gone for a while and now he comes back as this major Irish badass. And he's a guy that with this new incarnation of the Seamus character could really use um, the IC title. It really could help uh, the run of this new character. At the same time, when I look at a guy like Ryback, a guy that, you know, a few years back was white hot. White hot. Arguably maybe the most popular guy in the WWE. People were so into the Ryback character. And and then you have the, the Cena program, the unsuccessful run with Heyman. What do we do with Ryback? And it was just Again, back to that floundering. What do we do with the Ryback character? And now back to slowly building that character back, the crowd getting back into the the feed me more, feed me more. That is a character that really could use a big win in a title matchup such as this. Um, So, again, a character that that could desperately use um, the IC title, which, again, I know I've said it before, but that's to me when I look at this matchup outside of our truth, it really makes this match so intriguing that each character really could use this strap, and it's really difficult to pick a winner.
2: Oh, uh, tremendously. I mean, you know, you know, I was just thinking about this too. You know, with, with, you know, I, I love the the, the shameless look, with the exception of the the, the braids and the beard. Everything else about him is great. The entrance, the music, um, the, the, the the look, just the overall, you know, the demeanor of his character changing. I absolutely love it. And he's got that, like, mad Max look. In an, in an environment like the Elimination Chamber, I'll go on a limb here, he's winning the Intercontinental title tonight. I think um, he'll be that dominant, you know, bad-ass heel that will just kind of, like, own the division for a long period of time and then uh, you know somebody will come and swoop in and take the title eventually. But I think I think it will come down to him and Ryback, to be honest with you. Um, I think Ryback will have a pretty damn good showing in the match. He might eliminate two, three guys, really get the crowd pumped and behind him and thinking that he's going to win the Intercontinental Championship, only for Sheamus to take it away from two big bruisers like that. the elimination chamber. I, I could I can totally see it happening, um, and I think Ryback could use the victory too. But I think. I think post-elimination chamber, I think we will see, um, you know, Sheamus and Ryback feuding over the Intercontinental title based on their, their interactions with each other in tonight's match. But my pick
3: is Sheamus. And it's funny. As you talk about the guys that you're looking for a strong showing, my pick is Ryback. We're going to differ on this one. Um, I, I just think that, the, you know, like I was saying before, a guy that was white hot, uh, you know, a couple years ago, uh as they continue to build uh the mid card uh they could use a guy uh that's white hot uh with a championship on uh, the mid card. I it wouldn't shock me at all. I'm right there with you. That Sheamus and Ryback are the last two guys. Um, you know, and I, I you know, if it's not with Ziggler, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to a a nice hard hitting uh program between uh, Ryback and Sheamus uh, surrounding the IC title. Um, but uh, I, I look for strong showing. I look for a really hard-hitting matchup uh, in this, and uh, I'm looking at Ryback, so we, we differ. We're, uh, we we agreed on the first chamber match, and we differ on the IC match, but this one, you know, Dave, I, I, you look at the participants again, you know, really difficult match to call, because uh, you know, each and every character really could use, um, whether it's a long or short run, but they could use just a victory and uh, holding a championship belt aloft, so uh you know, interesting stuff coming out of this matchup. And again, kudos to the WWE. You know, they, they to me they, this is a very, very well booked match. When you're looking at a a match such as this, and uh, you know, it is difficult for you to pick because uh you can really you can really make a strong case for each and every guy. Um, kudos to WWE Creative uh for putting this matchup together. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five, that is the number to call. We're gonna get to your calls after the break, but we've gotten a new tradition here uh, at the Ken Reedy Show and each and every pay-per-view pregame show. We give you a little pay-per-view, yeah, we're still calling it a pay-per-view, pay-per-view throwback with the Professor Dave Rosenbluth. So without further ado, here's Dave's Elimination Chamber pay-per-view throwback. Thank you, Ken. Good evening,
2: class. Welcome back to another informative look into wrestling history, with tonight's lesson plan covering the Elimination Chamber. I want to bring to light some of the facts and historical numbers that surround this unique gimmick match. Facts and numbers that WWE seems to either forget or not care to bring to the forefront when describing such a match. The last time we were together, I discussed the ongoing identity crisis that WWE pay-per-view events in the month of May have endured over the years. You'll remember back in February, during my Fastlane pay-per-view throwback lesson plan, I touched briefly upon the Elimination Chamber event as a February pay-per-view staple for the past five years in WWE. But before this brutal structure took hold of its own identity as a standalone pay pay-per-view event, this match shook up WWE storyline by raw general manager Eric Bischoff back in two thousand and two. Across between the traditional Survivor Series Elimination Match and the War Games match, this gimmick match was the first of its kind. In an era where WWE was evolving at the early stages of the brand expansion, a match of this kind helped breathe new life to multiple storylines all at once over the course of its thirteen years. So, without further ado, allow me to exploit some of the more interesting facts about the Devil's Vacation Home, simply known as the Elimination Chamber. Let me start off by taking you back to the first Elimination Chamber match. It was in 2002, the Survivor Series pay-per-view event. New York City's Madison Square Garden was the birthplace of this unique match as Triple H defended his World Heavyweight Championship unsuccessfully, I might add, against Rob Van Dam, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, and the individual who walked
4: out of that match
2: with the 10 pounds of gold, The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. This match is the only elimination chamber match The Heartbreak Kid would hold claim to victory to, as he was unsuccessful in two more chamber matches back in 2003 and 2008. Another interesting fact regarding this matchup, this Elimination Chamber match holds the record to this very day in being the longest chamber match, rounding out at roughly 39 minutes. The individual who lost his World Heavyweight Championship in the inaugural Elimination Chamber match, Triple H, holds two distinct records in Elimination Chamber history. Out of his six appearances in the brutal structure, Triple H has won four Elimination Chamber matches, the most of any WWE superstar to date. Now, for all you math witses out there, the number that bridges the gap between 6 and 4 is the number 5. No, this isn't an episode of Sesame Street, and pay-per-view throwback is not sponsored by the letter Q. But the significance that the number 5 has with the Elimination Chamber matches is that the most winners have come from that coveted number. Bobby Lashley, Edge, and Triple H all hold the record of entering an Elimination Chamber match at number 5 and going on to win. For those of you who are paying attention, Triple H's second Elimination Chamber record comes from winning three times at the number 5 slot out of his four overall Elimination Chamber victories. Speaking of Edge, he is another WWE superstar with a decorated resume inside the elimination Chamber, as Edge is the only man to enter two elimination chamber matches on the same night. Not to get religious on you, as this makes for a great segue. But the Bible once said that Jesus had turned water into wine. Wine, excuse me. Well, in 2009, the No Way Out pay-per-view event, Edge symbolically did the same. See, in the first elimination chamber match, Edge walked in as the WWE champion only to be the first eliminated within a matter of minutes by Jeff Hardy. It was later on in the evening where the ultimate opportunist rose from the ashes, attacking Kofi Kingston upon entry into the chamber, thus gaining access to his pod, and later going on to win the World Heavyweight Championship by pinning Ray Mysterio. A lot of history made by one man on that cold night in Seattle, Washington. One man who was involved in that particular match was Chris Jericho holds the record for competing in the most elimination chamber matches in WWE history with eight. And out of all eight of those matches, Jericho also holds the record for most total eliminations with ten. On the topic of eliminations, Goldberg, Carlito, and The Undertaker all share the record for most eliminations in a single chamber match with three respectively. And one more chamber record The Undertaker has to share is one he shares with Edge and Mr. Iquit himself, CM Punk, as being the only individuals to enter the chamber first and go on to victory. Now, with all the fun facts out of the way, let's get down to business. The Elimination Chamber match over the years has been a tool to cram in several rivalries all into one match. This match has helped shape important WWE storylines by determining number one contenders as well as crowning champions in its 13-year history 12 times has a championship been contested in the demonic structure with six title changes occurring the wwe championship the world heavyweight championship and the ecw title have all been the prize at stake and in its 13-year history a number one contender to either the wwe championship or the World Heavyweight Championship has been determined a total of four times. Now four is the number. The number of tag teams that will be locked inside a pod in tonight's first ever Tag Team Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Tag Team Championship, as six teams will be a part of this historic first in WWE history, just like another first tonight, as it will be the first time the prestigious Intercontinental Championship will be contested inside the Elimination Chamber either Ryback, R Truth, Seamus, King Barrett, Dolph Ziggler, and now a mystery opponent look to fulfill the vacancy left by former champion Daniel Bryan. Not the first time a vacant championship has been contested inside the elimination chamber, as in two thousand and five, San Juan, Puerto Rico, New Year's Revolution, Triple H outlasted Batista, Randy Orton, Edge, Chris Jericho, and the late Chris Benoit to become the world heavyweight champion so after all that i hope class that you have a much better understanding of what the elimination chamber is all about and class before i dismiss you i'd like to remind you that pay-per-view throwback has been brought to you by 1640 pwpr the revolutionary one-of-a-kind wrestling podcast radio network head on over to itunes to subscribe for free Type in 1640PWPR where you can find this show along with other great wrestling podcasts. You can also find us at Spreaker.com, dot com. Just type in 1640PWPR in any one of those listening formats, and it's free, by the way, and you'll be right where you need to be in the pro wrestling podcast world. Now, class, you're officially dismissed.
3: Nice. I love that segment. Sit back and just like learn about the history of pay-per-views. Good stuff. Three four seven eight three nine eight one five. That is the number to call. Let's go out to the phones. We got Anthony. that has been patient on hold here. Let's get him on board. Anthony, how you doing tonight? Good, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. We got a little elimination chamber tonight. What are you looking forward to? What are your thoughts on the event? Bring it. Bring Um, I'm looking forward to the event. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the the
4: the IC match is. Uh, the most intriguing to me, as you guys have been talking about here. I didn't catch the beginning of the show, but I'll just kind of go with my flow here. Um, I'm kind of with both of you. Uh, I kind of want to see Ryback win, but I kind of think Sheamus is going to win, kind of like a head and heart thing. Um, but I don't see the downside for any any one of them winning. Um, I mean, our truth if you want to you know, add credibility to the title again, I'm not so sure i give it to him but hey you never know um i i'm i'm kind of looking forward to see, Cena and Owens I'm kind of puzzled to why uh Owens kind of debuted the way he did with the Cena stuff uh I don't understand it I don't really like it to an extent I want to see the match just to see how it goes I have a funny feeling that we won't get a uh I don't think we'll get a definitive finish in the match um, I, I mean, I can't see Cena. Uh, Owens going over, going over on Cena. I know they're building him as a big heel, but he still is somewhat of an NXT guy. Um, I know there, there's talk that he's going to work both shows, but I mean, if if you have Cena just beat him now, I mean, where does he kind of go from there when when he debuts completely? So I'm a little puzzled by uh, why they went that route, and I'm not sure i'm a big fan of that booking myself i don't know what your guys
3: thoughts are on that oh i hear what you're saying go ahead dave oh all
2: right i wasn't i mean i was gonna let you talk i didn't
3: okay i thought and then i'm here i'm hearing voices i'm starting to have those hallucinations we talked about. <laughs> um yeah i mean i hear what you're saying and it, it is an interesting spot for, for owens to be in and and uh you know, I, I'm really curious exactly how they're gonna book tonight's match to the two of them. I mean, I'm I'm looking for a a, a hard hitting, um, you know, kind of uh, just punishing, clubbing kind of matchup. I'm I'm real curious to see how their styles uh, intersect. Um, but it is, I mean, you bring up a good point. It is definitely a, you know, kind of a it's it's a tough spot right now. You know, I, look. I know Cena bears the brunt of the blame, and it's not really his fault. It's creative's fault. But facts are facts, and a lot of guys that that go through a program with John Cena don't come out the other end in, in the best shape character-wise. Um, and again, I fall creative because if you're going to put someone in it, I get it. You know, Cena's the top guy. Cena's the guy who's supposed to come out on top. He's the good guy, he's the face of the company, he's the all-American. I mean, all we're storytelling here, it's pro-wrestling. So to me, Cena's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to come out on top in most, if not all, programs. It's creative's job to build these guys after they come out on the other side of a, a John Cena program. Um, for this point in an Owens career to be put with John Cena is kind of a Wow, like what? What exactly are they going to do? Because it's not like even that, you know. Owens is built yet; um, they're still kind of building him. I mean, he's he's made a name for himself. You know, it's almost like he's made a name for himself in Triple A. Um, you know, it's uh, and I know NXT is definitely building themselves into almost their own brand, but uh, um, it's an interesting booking, and I'm very curious to see how how this matchup turns out, Dave. Um, you know, this is a very interesting pairing, but you know what? This
2: is a pairing that's a, a long time coming. Um, Kevin Owens is one of those internet indie wrestling darlings. He made a name for himself on the indie scene, Ring of Honor for a wrestling gorilla. Uh, you know, he, he's been all over the world, and he is the polar opposite of what WWE poster boy John Cena is, and that, that's one, one of the, the intriguing parts of this massive rivalry. Um the rumor is that he has signed a main roster contract. He is moving up to the main roster in the next few months. He's they're gonna phase him out of NXT. Um so he will he will be in NXT for the next few months, but he'll be also working the main roster at the same time as the NXT champion. I think that's done in a way to um help build the NXT brand with him as the NXT champion. So I could see um you know, I, I, I see that it's gonna serve many purposes. I don't think they brought him up just to lose to John Cena tonight. I really don't. Um, I think they brought him up to they put him in a position with Cena to make him a bigger deal. And uh, and somebody's dogs
4: are barking in the middle of the Yeah, sorry, that's us. We're probably, I should stop in a second. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. They have a mind of their own.
0: <laughs> so, you so know,
2: I, I don't think they brought him up to the main roster just so he could lose to John Cena on his first night. It wouldn't be good for his character. I'm I, i, I going to go on record. that some, I mean, he's going to come out of this looking good tonight, in my opinion. I really think he is. Um, if you remember, John Cena's first meeting with Rusev in February, Rusev beat him one, two, three. So, I could see Cena, I could see Owens winning and beat Cena, and, like, some sort of like ref stop. It's like the referee stops the match because Cena can't compete or he's hurt or something, and they get all into victory. Um, but I don't think they brought him up just for him to lose to Cena, especially if he's going to be um, working on the main roster uh, going forward after tonight. So, if you want a prediction, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if you can bet the farm that Johnson will win, but. They seem to be showing more and more in this in the past year of of really building towards the future of the company with the talent that they're using. And the position that Cena's in, the U.S. title's not on the line. So it, it's not a title match. So I'm going with Kevin Owens.
4: Yeah, I can I see that. I just I, I, Again, it's kind of intriguing, but at the same time, it, it, it's still just a little bit puzzling for me why they would – do this so quick with Owens, I mean, then again, maybe they're just trying to build another, you know, super heel, but I don't see Owens being that because there's always going to be those people that are going to cheer for Owens, no matter what he does. He can put anybody on a stretcher, no matter what he does, because he's Kevin Steen and, you know, the fight Owens fight for those hardcore fans, they're always going to cheer for him, so I don't see him being one of those universally booed guys, but you never know. I mean, Let's see. Well, I guess writing—you know—creative people are going to get put to the test on that
3: one. I think what um, it shows, you know, essentially, is that they're—they're—I they're think it's one of those things that they're high on Owens, number one, and number two. They're really serious about building this uh, NXT brand and uh, you bringing NXT, NXT, NXT champion up to go after John Cena is is a big deal for. Um, this other brand, and it's almost become that that, that NXT is uh, the WWE's indie promotion. And for those guys that like that, again, that indie style, uh, you know, you don't have to go elsewhere. The WWE, we have everything. We have everything you want here. Don't go to any other company anywhere. We'll give you everything you need right here. And uh, I, I think that's, that's part of it, is just really building this NXT brand. And I think it's smart for uh, there to be NXT representation... On a night like tonight, that's a network exclusive uh, on the Elimination Chamber event. So uh, I think, if nothing else, I think this is going to be a very entertaining matchup. There's always good stuff, Anthony. Thanks a lot for the phone call, and uh, hopefully we get a kick-ass pay-per-view, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you tomorrow, and uh, I don't know if you guys touched on it, but uh, hopefully I'll be talking about it tomorrow. I'm super pumped for ROH. Uh, premiere on destination America this week. Yes. But uh okay. hopefully we could get into that tomorrow. But uh, talk to you guys,
3: enjoy the pay per view. Take it easy, brother. And before like, you know, we're getting ready, we're getting pretty close to uh the first matchup of the night and uh you know interesting the WWE network was just showing uh NXT rivals from last year and they were showing uh Neville versus uh Bo Dallas uh, in the latter match and uh you know, it's interesting, you know, you look at a Bo Dallas, a guy who comes from a wrestling family who you would think kind of gets it. And uh, You know, I, the thing is, like, tonight, if you ju- if you do drink alcohol, um, start playing the, the drinking game with this show that every time Dave or I says floundering, you have to drink. That is the drinking game of tonight's show. Um, because, I'm going to pick it up again, but Bo Dallas, another guy whose character is floundering, Um, you know, this could be a very entertaining matchup. It seems to me the WWE at this point does not know what to do with Bo Dallas. Um, and, and I do find it interesting that, uh, you saw his character and and what he was doing and some of the stuff he was doing, at least working on NXT, uh, doesn't seem like they know exactly what to do with them. And in this spot, uh, to me, I feel like they're building, they're really building Neville, um, you know, maybe Dallas, I can't believe I'd call it the upset, but maybe Dallas pulls the upset. But I, I'm my pick is Neville because I really think they're high on Neville. I see Neville winning this matchup. Um, but it does, you know, I guess like part of the thing when, when fans get nervous about uh, certain uh, characters and, and wrestlers and, and when they, they move up to the main roster, you know, I guess Bo Dallas on some levels is kind of that poster child. To a you know a guy who is doing all right on NXT and comes up to the main roster and is drink floundering. <laughs>
2: well, you know I, I I I I've seen some of the stuff that Dallas and Neville have done. They've had they had a pretty good rivalry in NXT. Um, you know, and, and I think we're seeing Bo Dow, the Bo Dallas character evolve a little bit and change. He's adding more of a mean streak. He's not the you know over the top phony. Um, Super energetic, uh, motivational speaker. As much um, we're seeing, you know, hints of uh, anger and aggression, and we've kind of been seeing that since he's returned, um, which I think is good. It adds another layer, some dimension to his character. Uh, he's had, a, he's had, like I said, he's got good chemistry with Neville. They've had some pretty damn good matches, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go with Neville, um, but I think we're gonna see Dallas. Come out smelling like a rose at the end of it because Neville's got a leg injury. They're high on Neville, and I think Neville's. I think Neville's going to be their new version of, you know, Ray Mysterio. He's the ultimate underdog. He's a small guy. He will excite you. He will wow you, and he will make you, you know, believe he could win the match. And he'll pull out the upset victories at times, but you know he'll also come out, um, you know, taking a beating, you know, in the process too. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Neville on this one, but I think. Um, You know, Dallas will probably give him a beating after the match, maybe attack his leg, um, you know, and then further that, you know, the angle with his leg injury and really build on the, you know, Neville underdog uh, persona that they seem to be, um, you know, uh, showing on WWE TV as of late.
3: And, of course, and I think that that definitely works for his character. I mean, and and he's a guy that, you know, some of the spots that he pulls off are – Pretty incredible, but it, you know, hopefully they they find a way to to effectively uh, use Bo Dallas and uh, a match added to the pre-show. We have uh, Zach Ryder uh, taking on Stardust. Uh, obviously, a veritable barn burner booked here in the pre-show. uh <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. If I'm, I'm gonna go with
1: Stardust.
3: I, I you, know what, you know, it's funny because there's part of me that's like, well, and. Uh, Zack Ryder with Entourage the other day and uh perhaps uh, they give him a, they actually get and they're, they're, now they're showing Entourage on the network. Um <sighs> You know what the hell? Just to be different, I'll pick I'll pick Ryder. I'll go with Ryder with the, the Entourage thing. So I'll go Ryder. Let's see Mark down there cuz this is this is uh this is going to be a good match. <laughs> um there <laughs> you go. So uh um, added to this, I'm, I'm all like flustered now. They added a match. I don't know where to go with the show. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That's the number to call. Hey, I know what we can do to get us back on track. Let's bring Mike on the line. <laughs> He's called in. Mike, are you there? Hey guys, what's going on? Not much. How are you doing this evening? What are you? Elimination Chamber, WWE Network exclusive. What are you looking forward to tonight? I'm looking forward to uh, the John Cena Owens
1: match.
3: I don't, you know, we were just talking about that, and uh, Anthony called in, and we were discussing that matchup. Uh, you know, um, it's it's a very intriguing matchup, uh, bringing uh, not just an NXT guy up, but the NXT champion. Um, you know, should what do you, what do you think is going to happen in that matchup? Well. My
1: prediction. Uh, I, I did a. I actually did a uh, Mike Florio speaks uh, exclusive today uh, for the for the, the anybody I want to see it on my my Facebook page and also Mike Florio speaks page. Um, I think that Kevin Owens is going to win. I think it's time that Kevin Owens, uh, you know, defeats John Cena. I like the build up and I understand what you were saying um, earlier, Dave. But um, I'm gonna go with uh, Owens. Uh, I I I just think that's where I'm going. So my God's gonna tell me Owens is gonna win. And what are
3: your what are your thoughts? I mean, we got two like you know, I mean, fairly historic uh, chamber matches. One with the, for the vacated IC title, and one uh, first time the tag title is uh, being determined inside an elimination chamber. Uh, your thoughts on the two chamber matches?
1: My two my daughter are Seamus. Seamus is gonna win the Intercontinental Championship and uh the Ascension is gonna win the tag team championship.
3: The Ascension really?
1: <laughs> yes, because you know what I, I, I think it's time, you know, they've been they've been labeled as uh, you know, they've had a lot of heat. And I think it's time that no one's gonna see them them coming. And uh that's that's my thought on those two. I mean you know, anything can happen. Um and uh that's what I think.
3: That's good stuff, Mike. Uh, definitely uh some interesting picks. Uh you know, we talked about the tag division before and uh you know the ascension like a dark horse, but you're picking them to uh win it all. So I I I mean when you look at this this you know top to bottom, I feel like we gotta really uh a solid card and a lot of potential to be uh, very entertaining and for you guys out there that are listening that don't know remember uh, as Mike's referring to Mike Ferrara speaks check him out on uh, on 1640 PWPR on iTunes uh, your one stop shopping for wrestling podcasts uh, Mike yeah, in addition to and a bunch of others so be sure to check them out Mike thanks a lot for the phone call tonight
1: no problem. Uh, I I, uh, I will definitely uh, be watching the Elimination Chamber. And I, uh, you know, before you let me go, I just want to say, you guys were also talking about the character of Bo Dallas. You know, it looks like to me he got the short end of the the, the gimmick stick. You know, as a family member, I mean, you know, it was just family. You know, early we know, early we know. Bray, if it was me, you know, what I would do, I would turn and face. Because, you know what, obviously, I mean, you need a talented wrestler. The gimmick's not getting over. If it was me, I'd turn in faith and and just call it a day. But um, I definitely appreciate you guys, and I I also want to message out, too. This week was a pretty rough week for me. I was in the hospital very sick, um, and also my best friend, Magic, was in the hospital, and yesterday was his birthday, so, but, you know... As we say, we take a look and keep on taking, and uh, I want to thank everybody out there for their well wishes, and I will talk to you guys, um, if not tomorrow, then I'll talk to you guys next week, and thank you guys for my time. Thank you.
3: Thank you, and uh, glad you're feeling better. All the best out to Magic, and we'll talk to you real soon, Mike. Thanks for your time. You got it. Bye-bye. Take it easy, brother. And, you know, it's interesting, guys. We're like, all right, everyone out there, like, bring, bring the drink to your lips, because as we talk about floundering characters, um, and talk about Bo Dallas, and I do think it's interesting, like, whether you turn Bo Dallas' face, um, I, to me, almost, you know, why not just, a uh, cult leader needs followers, uh, everyone knows that they're brothers, why not, you know, somehow, work, uh, Bo Dallas' character, where he he winds up being, uh, you know, teaming with Wyatt, um, you know, that's what I would do, I would just do a complete repackaging of him, i do something, but I do think there's a lot of, like, wrestling fans out there, that you know, it's that, that's that fear almost of the NXT guy coming to the main roster, and do they use them the right way? And and when you look at NXT versus WWE, you know one of the things that you know look, it's I'm not we're not going to sit here and say oh NXT is so much better than WWE. It's a different style. Um, if that's the style that you prefer, um, then I guess maybe it would be better. I can't say it's better. It's still to me, it's it's their developmental. It's still triple A to the WWE's uh, major league. But I will say this that if you're going to talk better and definitively better, definitively, like with that being a shadow of a doubt, uh the ladies division. And what what is, is it's interesting because that's that to me is where I see two very separate, distinct philosophies and, and, and modes of thinking. And you look at the w w e the main roster, and it's still you know in that kind of eye candy pin up girls uh let's make sure they look good don't need to give us a good match uh just 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 look okay, do some you know grind the hips a little bit, do something like playful to the crowd um but that's what we're gonna do on the main roster you you like to me, I know they call them all divas, but to me right now in the w w e you got divas on the main roster and you got lady wrestling lady wrestlers in NXT and for me I will say definitively I prefer seeing the, the female wrestlers I mean they're still attractive they're attractive in NXT um and, and just they're putting on like five star matches down there and that's that to me is where you know I see the the big difference and and it's a borderline embarrassment uh, for the main roster, we got a triple threat matchup. Um, you know, Nikki Bella's not someone that, you know, I mean, she, she's gotten better in the ring. Um, I think we're going to get a title change in this matchup. Uh, you know, I, it's tough. I keep going back and forth between Paige and Naomi because I, I could see either one uh, walking away uh, with the championship. I know Naomi is uh, the one that's that's been, like, complaining and, and, you know, pushing for it and whatever, but, uh, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Paige. I think Paige is going to win the title tonight. Uh, I think Nikki's going to drop the title, especially, if we keep hearing, uh, you know, rumors of the Bellas perhaps retiring. Um, I think Paige comes out victorious. But I tell you, like, when I when I watch a show like NXT and I see um, what's happening, you know, the ladies' match we're getting tonight, um, you know, I know everyone jokes and says the Diva matches are... are Bathroom break matches, but this is almost worse because you have such superior matches going on in their developmental division. Dave, you
2: know I, I compare the the NXT girls and the main roster girls in the in the uh, the WWE like this. The, the main roster girls they pretend to fight. They look like when they're in the ring that they for the. I, I should say three quarters of the main roster, because there are you know a few exceptions like Paige, Natalia. Um, they, they 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 they're wrestlers, but most of that roster they just look like they are pretending they are fighting. When you watch NXT, those girls look like they are wrestling. And by the way, Stardust just beat Zack Ryder, so I am now one and all in my picks so far. Um, here tonight for Elimination Chamber. Uh, anyhow, back on to the, uh, the the subject of the girls, the matches are far superior. They give them more time um, down in NXT as opposed to in, on the main roster. But I will say, in, in defense to the girls on the main roster, they've been giving them longer, you know, a decent amount of time on television lately since that whole hashtag D- Give Divas a Chance campaign came out and the girls felt like they were, you know, not getting their just 2 on TV. They've been they've been given some more time and, and and you'll even see like a commercial break during a Diva's match on Raw, which is like it used to be unheard of. Like we you and I used to time the Diva's matches. Now they have these matches where there's a commercial break and you come back and there's still a match. So they're, they're giving these girls, you know, sometimes 10 minutes you know, upwards to 10 minutes on on television. So it seems like that they are slowly trying to change the image of what their female wrestlers are, um, are portrayed as in WWE. And it's something that they've been trying to model after what UFC has done and how they have portrayed Ronda Rousey and their other female mixed martial artists, mainly Ronda Rousey, of course, but, um, their female mixed martial artists and how they are, they're portraying them as athletes. And WWE is trying to do that and change that with, with, um, with their divas. And I think there's, I think they're showing that with the NXT girl. I think that's the, the big push for them so far. Um, you're going with Paige, I'm going with Naomi.
3: You're killing me here. Cause I'm like, I was so 50, 50. And it's like the, the, the matches we've differed on, you keep getting them right. Um, I'm like literally with Paige and Naomi, I'm like, it, it really flip a coin. Um, I, know, I just have a gut feeling that Paige is going to win, but I, you know, I, I'm probably going to be wrong now at this point since you picked Naomi. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it's an entertaining matchup, but you, you said, it, I mean, it's, it's just, it's really interesting, but again, giving them more time and everything, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, the same company essentially having such different ideas, apparently, of uh, philosophically looking at, uh, uh, you know, their, their matches and, uh, you know, moving on in, in tonight's, and, and we did hit it a, a bit um, before, You uh, know, I haven't given my pick, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to pick Owens tonight. Um, the only way, like, I think we're going to have, you know, this is a match tonight. I think it's going to be a very entertaining match. Um, I think the WWE is very high on Owens. Um, the one dark horse with this is, you know, really like, I mean, Owens still has the NXT championship. Do we see something that sets up? owens next opponent for the nxt title do we see a john cena victory with the samoa joe interference um you know do we see a a a double counter i mean this is a match that wouldn't shock me if there was some sort of no finish in this matchup do we get a samoa joe sighting uh do we get something else do we get Sami Zayn somewhere in the mix um There's a lot of questions. I do think, I like what Kevin Owens is bringing to the table right now. I got to be honest, like, I saw a couple things that Steen did. Um, I I didn't really follow his his indie career. I I wasn't, like, religiously watching his stuff. I was at uh, an HOH event that he was on. Uh, It could have been a bad night. I wasn't impressed. Um, But as far as, like, what he's given us in promos on NXT and His promo work with John Cena, I loved when he said to John Cena, I've been doing this longer than you, uh, so don't give me that veteran advice. I thought that was awesome. I like his style as far as giving promos. Um, So I'm looking for a very entertaining, hard-hitting matchup, Uh, maybe some sort of screwy finish. But, uh, you know, putting the pick out there, I'm going to pick Owens.
2: You know, if... if, if We talked about this at the beginning of the show. If WWE really wants to give you your bang for your buck as a network subscriber, and considering tonight's Elimination Chamber event is a network exclusive here in the United States, um, they would pull out all the stops. If that's the case, it would not surprise me to see a Samoa Joe appearance, because the last time we saw Samoa Joe was on NXT confronting Kevin Owens. Um, I think that's eventually leading towards a match between the two of them, um, you know, down in NXT, but at the same time, um, I don't think. I mean, the way Joe's contract is structured, from what I've been hearing, he'll work limited NXT dates. He'll work a lot of the indies. He gets a merchandise deal, um, but the day that they want him up on the main roster is when he'll be a more exclusive wrestler. And we'll talk about Samoa Joe in a minute, but um, the uh, the match itself should be a good one. You know, Steen's a brawler the Bruiser um i like you to follow his career much but I heard lots of things I heard lots of um you know uh, uh high, high praise for his matches with um Sami Zayn when Sami Zayn wrestled as El Generico on the indie scene um in fact I saw him once and it was with you Ken um uh, at the uh Pro Wrestling Syndicate show in New Jersey during Wrestlemania weekend I don't know if you remember because I, I yeah. we, were, we were we were actually working that show as well conducting business but um uh, he, I forget who he wrestled. I think he wrestled uh, a local guy, a local indie guy. I want to say Mac, Monster Mac, maybe, and he lost to him. And like, Steam was like the Ring of Honor TV champion at the time or something. He he had he, he was he was a big deal Ring of Honor. And like a lot of people were shocked. He lost. It was a very short match. So I didn't get to see much of him, but it was it was a very short match. But uh, they do have a lot. Invested in him, and I think this is—I think what this really is—is is to really push the NXT brand because there's been talk of having them become a full touring brand in the beginning of 2016 because of the success of their live event, that started really around WrestleMania uh, weekend in San Jose. So, yeah, I, I would have to say Owens gets the victory so that it could build up towards his match with Samoa Joe eventually in NXT.
3: Interesting stuff. Let's go back out to the phones, because we got the one and only, the man that is making it happen at 1640, King Firehawk. And his call just dropped. (laughs) I'm building this great intro for him, but King Firehawk was on the line. If you're able to call back, give us a buzz back. Um, If not, in the gang. Um, But you know what? I'll take this opportunity to give King Firehawk a big-time thank you. Uh, You know, he's done a ton of work on – our 1640 pwpr uh you know he's doing the bulk of the legwork out there you know um you know it's we're we're trying to publicize it but the guy that uh he's publicizing it and he's doing most of the behind the scenes stuff so uh kudos to what king firehawk has been doing out there to get us on the map as far as uh, the one stop shopping the resource what the hell is Miz wearing holy sweet what is that me, I'm sorry that I got that. Thank you, King Firehawk. <laughs> I just got distracted, but uh, he, he's got like a, almost like, jeez, uh, it's like a, a, a monk kind of robe with uh, no sleeves on it and uh, like a hood over his head. He just did, uh, it looks like something that like Mommy Dearest would wear. Uh, <laughs> he used to wear a burka so he can't be seen anymore. I Gee. Uh, okay, anyway, uh let's let's get off uh like talking about Miz and let's get into uh as we move through this this uh pay per view and again I, I do think that uh you know top to bottom again we're looking at uh you know interesting stuff as the trend continues with uh you know mediocre to poor bills uh going forward but uh potential for uh very good uh, matchups and uh I, I agree with you dave like as you're talking about owens i mean i do think i think we're going to get a samoa joe sighting in some way shape or form tonight i think this is as we talk about something uh special has to happen here uh something that tomorrow morning uh wrestling fans i don't know how many you know adults are talking at the water cooler but whether it's water cooler or, or at, the playground. at you know, or the playground or at your locker or whatever it is, it's it's the people that have the network and watched it talking talking to the people that don't have the network and saying, Oh my god, you're not gonna believe what you missed last night. And that's that's what the WWE has to be looking at. You know, that that you know, if you don't have that network, you you seriously missed out on last night's event. And as we move forward, you know, there's one of the things that I did find intriguing as we get into the championship match as former uh, Shield teammates Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose set to fight for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And on SmackDown this week, I did find it intriguing that when Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens' uh, paths crossed, two guys that are indie darlings, um, and Dean Ambrose, that is just very over right now with the crowd. And as Anthony was saying, um... You know it's difficult, you know a guy like Owens is always going to be guys cheering him you know do you, uh, an indie darling do you put him up against a more popular indie darling to help establish him as a heel? I did find it intriguing that when Owens was walking back and Owens looked at Ambrose, Ambrose did not even acknowledge Owens, and I don't know if that was on purpose if they're going to you know if Owens could read into that being snubbed by Dean Ambrose. If owns in some way, shape, or form, I mean, maybe this is a stretch, gets involved in the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match. Um, I don't know. Um, but Ambrose, it's incredible, and we talked about it on the show. And if you guys don't, like, don't think this, you're 100% wrong, but one of the things with the Shield was, um, oh, my God, I cannot believe what Miz is wearing. I, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I keep glancing over because I have the network playing, and I'm just, what is that? What is that? Um, you know, I, I just think that Ambrose was a guy that was clearly, clearly beyond a shadow of a doubt in third place as the shield evolved. Uh, his character took a backseat to Reigns and Rollins. Uh, he wasn't able to, to really branch out and do the Dean Ambrose thing. And when you look at the three guys, I mean, now they're they're, you know, Roman Reigns is gaining momentum here. But to me, the three guys, when you look at the breaking up of the shield, the best the one that it was the best for was clearly dean Ambrose and dean ambrose is is over like a million bucks uh he is he is white hot with the crowd they love him um his his idiosyncrasies his his promos you know Dean Ambrose is at a point where he could do no wrong uh depending on when they promote Owens to the main roster do they Slide him off of John Cena, and do we see an Ambrose program with Owens down the road? Perhaps. Again, I could be reading into that that moment on the ramp, um, but I think Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, there's history there. There's longstanding history. These guys work well off each other in the ring. Uh, I think we're going to get a very entertaining matchup, and this is where this pay-per-view really shapes up. That you got some great mid-card matchups. You got two great. At least on paper, great Elimination Chamber matches for mid-card titles. You got a non-title, hard-hitting matchup with Cena and Owens. Both have belts, non-title matchup. Hopefully we get a good Divas match. And then we got a really solid match set up for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I think it's going to be a great match. And as he continues to be, this sniveling, whining, cheating, little bitch of a heel champion Seth Rollins is going to continue that trend and he's going to come out victorious in some underhanded way as he keeps slithering around and holding on to that WWE championship but again it wouldn't shock me if we see something kooky in this matchup um, something to make the water cooler locker room playground conversation go tomorrow morning um, but I think we're gonna, this is going to be a great match Dave
2: I think it's going to be an excellent match. They work well together. There was still some unfinished business with their two characters from last fall. Um, You know, Ambrose and Rollins headlined um, the Hell in the Cell, uh, you know, pay-per-view back in October. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the numbers were for that, but I thought it was an excellent move because at that time it was the hottest storyline in WWE, um, and it needed a conclusion. And, yeah, Ambrose kind of merged off and went on with Wyatt because Wyatt got involved. But um, it left the door open for him and Rollins, and he's back now. Is in, involved in, in, in main event title picture issues and Rollins and and the authorities business. Um, you know, when you just brought up the Kevin Owens situation, you, know, you got my my wheels turning creatively, so to speak. Yes, it would not shock me if Kevin Owens got involved in tonight's match, causing Rollins to win. He was he was in some way like granted this match by the authority. Um, It was alluded to that his character is very well liked by the authority and by Triple H, and and so it would not shock me if he was doing, you know, the bidding for the authority to help Rollins keep the title. Um, But at the same time, you know, two weeks ago he shows up on TV, he makes his intentions known that, you know, he doesn't like John Cena. He's going to have a match with John Cena tonight. Why would they bring him in to just work one match with Cena and then move on to something else with Ambrose? Like, creatively, I just don't think his character makes that makes sense. I think that interaction with Ambrose or should I say lack of interaction with Ambrose on SmackDown Thursday was set up for something, you know, down the line within the next couple of months heading into the summer. Um, you know, even, even going into the fall. So I, I wouldn't surprise me if this was the beginning just to kind of plant the seed a little bit for when it does happen that he goes after Ambrose or they have a match or however they work that out. Um, I think tonight I'm going to go with my prediction. I think Rollins is going to retain. Um, you know, notice that you know we talked about the Shield. Roman Reigns is not involved in any match tonight, so it would not surprise me in the least bit if Ambrose had him in his corner tonight to counteract Kane and J and J Security and the other members of the Authority. Here's my prediction. I think there's going to be some you know underhanded actions by Rollins and the Authority in the match. I think uh, Reigns is going to try and help out and inadvertently, accidentally cost Dean Ambrose the championship match,
3: which is going to start
2: the tension between the two of them. Now, our guest who was unable to make it on you know tonight's show, Mike Riker from RantSports.com, and his blog wrote that he was he he wrote that similar prediction, but that we would see a triple threat between the three at Money in the Bank in two weeks. Um, I still don't think that they're going to do a Shield triple threat. For the title just yet i i, I really am I'm, I'm really thinking that they are going to save that one for uh for wrestlemania between the three of them but i think we're going to see the beginning of um a roman reigns turn tonight with um his inadvertent uh, assistance to uh helping rounds uh get the
3: title interesting tidbit of information as uh you know anthony shot us a, a text um Samoa Joe is booked at an event tonight uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, The Killogy Part 3, Joe is taking on Chris Dickinson. Um, Now, again, WWE, stranger things have happened. Uh, If uh, that match is booked early enough on their card and a plane standing by, a plane ride out to Texas, uh, again, stranger things have happened. But uh, knowing that Samoa Joe is booked in Rhode Island... um, I don't know. It, it 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 increases the odds of him, uh, you know, not showing up. But again, you know, the WWE has not, you know, it's not like they haven't done it before and, uh, you know, grabbed uh, a plane or a private jet and gotten, uh, you know, someone where they need to be at, at a given time. So it remains to be seen if we get a Samoa Joe sighting. Uh, we have Axlemania and... Uh, uh, the Macho Sandow or Damien or whatever the hell they're calling themselves, just interfered on mid-TV. And, uh, I guess the best thing we could see these two do is to beat the holy hell out of the Miz. So, uh, big boot to the Miz. Axelmania putting the hand up to the air off the robes. Big leg drop. And that's it for Miz. Ah, oh, Jesus. You just, you, you can't make it up with these guys. Um, alright, well, uh, I guess the only thing that's more ridiculous than what Miz was wearing was uh Sandow and Axel dressed up like the mega powers. Crazy stuff. So uh and there you have it. So uh, as we go through, um you know, Dave, I mean it, it's interesting when you look at this uh this pay per view, I mean, top to bottom, uh, you know, it's and there's so many like uh, you know, different uh combinations of things that can occur tonight, uh different uh you know, who might show up? I mean, do we get a Samoa Joe appearance, uh, however unlikely? Do they figure out a way to get him there? Um, what do we see out of these Elimination Chamber matches? And, uh, you know, I do think you bring up a good point. I mean, you got you got a guy like... I mean, look, they keep saying, uh, you know, you keep hearing and you keep thinking that Roman Reigns is uh, the heir apparent. um but, you know, at this point in time, uh, you know, he's not booked in, in, in this pay-per-view. Uh, he's got no role as of yet. Uh, you know, do we see something? I mean, a lot of people have speculated, you know, at some point we're going to see Reigns turn. Uh, do we see him turn? Do we see, just like you said, a subtle, uh, you know, subtleties as far as, uh, you know, tension between him and Ambrose? And, uh, you know, a- again, it's like... We keep looking at the Shield, and the Shield, you know, it, it's pretty amazing, and we'll see where these careers go, but it's pretty amazing when you see the Shield and what they did as a faction, and what the three of them now are doing in the WWE. And, and any, you know, people that want to crap on the WWE, and and there's stuff to be critical of, but when you're, when you're talking New Blood, I mean, New Blood is dominating WWE television. Seth Rollins is the champ, the main event tonight. Uh, is, is Rollins and Ambrose. Um, and this Shield has really um, done some, the three guys have done some pretty incredible things as far as their place on the roster. And, uh, you know, I'm enjoying this, seeing Reigns being built up again. It seems like the crowd, again, is warming up to him. Um, be interesting to see what his role might be tonight, Dave. You got a little
2: minute for some fantasy booking? Because I kind of have an idea where this is all going to go. I think that Reigns inadvertently cost Ambrose the title tonight, setting up tension between the two of them, slight tension. Now, mind you, this is going to be a slow burn. You got money in the bank next month, or I should say in two weeks, and Reigns and Ambrose will both be involved in the match, and I think Reigns will somehow, in a questionable way, cost Dean Ambrose the match. Granted, it's every man for himself, but in a questionable way, Costing Ambrose the match and he'll win the Money in the Bank and be the Money in the Bank briefcase holder. Then we'll start to see a little bit of tension between the two of them, but they're still friends. They're still kind of on the same page, but questioning each other, so to speak, especially Ambrose questioning Reigns and his questionable, you know, victory at, in the Money in the Bank ladder match. You go to Battleground in July, we'll have some form of a tag match. We'll see some miscommunication leading to the two of them losing a match against somebody that the authority handpicked. Let's just say New Day, for argument's sake. Then you go into SummerSlam. You have Rollins, or excuse me, you have Reigns and Dean Ambrose, one-on-one in a singles match. Ambrose is really questioning what Reigns' motives are. He's thinking that there's some sort of screw job, some sort of conspiracy. Well, he loses clean to to Reigns. Reigns beats him in the middle of the ring, helps him up, shakes his hand, really kind of puts the, the rumors to rest that you know, there was any kind of screw job against Dean Ambrose. Now you fast forward to later on that evening at SummerSlam, where you have Seth Rollins defending the title against Brock Lesnar in a no disqualification match. Deja vu, WrestleMania all over again. This time the roles are a little bit reversed. Roman Reigns announces he's cashing in his money in the bank. The authority is beating up on Brock Lesnar on the outside when Reigns is ready to cash in on Rollins. All of a sudden, Triple H comes out with the sledgehammer. And it looks like he is going to help Rollins attack Reigns. But it turns out he nails Rollins with the sledgehammer, gives the nod to Reigns, forces the referee to count, and we have a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Roman Reigns, the poster boy, and the face of WWE from the authority.
3: And it totally works. And right now there there is an exchange backstage between... Uh... Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose is there uh uh Ambrose is being interviewed and uh Reigns just showed up uh let's see uh I said uh I mean I just threw on the uh the closed captioning, so I didn't catch uh I just, Ambrose just said I'll take care of the rest at the end of the interview so uh let's see they're talking about what do we just see Alright, the closed captioning just happening too slow. Um, interesting stuff though, uh, you know, where do we go with Reigns? Uh, Reigns being uh, the obvious heir apparent uh, going into this, uh, you know, going into the future, I guess, um, but very intriguing to see what the Shield has actually been able to do uh, over the course of uh, their tenure in the WWE going from uh, arguably the most entertaining faction in recent memory um to branching off into three very successful singles career in their very young career. So let's see how that furthers tonight. Um, they just flashed up on WWE Network. Uh, big question mark as far as who might be replacing uh, Rusev. Uh, and Dave, this is something getting back to Rusev. Um, you know, I think for both of us, all the best to him and, and hope uh, that he can come back really, really soon. Uh, it's just. You know, you hate to see something like that happen to anybody. I mean, any injury in any walk of life is horrible. But just to see a guy like that who, uh, you know, great competitor, great size, great heel, uh, arguably the best entrance of WrestleMania this year uh, at, at a point in his career where you need to kind of rebuild them as a monster, goes down with an injury. So really, Dave, all the best to Rusev. Yeah, he's
2: got he's got a bright future. He'll bounce back from this. Um... We'll, well, you know, like you said, it depends. If it, is this it a week to week, or is this a you know uh, a matter of several months where he's injured? You know, time will tell. Um, we may find out more tomorrow. But I, I, I'm pretty confident he's one of their guys that they look forward to as a part of the future. And he's you know a, a very good in the ring. And yeah, I don't see him. I, I see him bouncing back in this whole situation.
3: Hope so. Hope so. And, and tonight, as we get said with with uh, less than a minute remaining of the show call us tonight. Thank you so much for bringing it. Remember, we're going to be back tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8 o'clock to get you set for Monday Night Raw, give you some reaction to Elimination Chamber. Again, we call it a pay-per-view, but we're looking at it. It is a WWE Network exclusive uh, tonight. So, Looking for the WWE to pull out all the stops. Do we have uh, some, some people showing up? Do we have Samoa Joe in a private jet showing up tonight? Uh, Talking about the ladies' match, do we have some of the ladies from NXT show up at some point? What happens tonight to make it locker room, to make it water cooler talk tomorrow morning? Hopefully we get a kick-ass pay-per-view. We will see you tomorrow at 6.30 so we can recap this and get you set for Monday Night Uh, Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Check out 1640 on iTunes. Enjoy the pay-per-view. For Dave, I'm Ken. Good night, everybody.